to episode number 51 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick. The Rangers, of course, last night coming off of a 4-3 loss in Calgary against the Flames. And this was not a good night for the Rangers. And, you know, you might hear that and think, well, you know, they only lost 4-3. They came back a couple of times. They're on the road. They're up against a talented team. And all of that is true. But the issue, the biggest issue I had with this game is that so many of the things that have plagued the Rangers this season kind of, you know, collectively reared their ugly heads in this game. And one of them is an unwillingness to shoot the puck. And we saw that when, you know, there were just pass after pass after pass when the Rangers had a five on three power play. And of course, it results in a turnover and a breakaway the other way. And Michael Backlund scored at that point to give the Flames a 2-0 lead. So you give up a shorthanded goal, not just shorthanded, but you're up five on three. That just can't happen. And it was all set up by an unwillingness, for whatever reason, to shoot the puck. And, you know, I'm not the biggest basketball guy. There's there's plenty of people listening to this that know a lot more about basketball than I do. But it kind of almost looked like on this power play, the Rangers looked like a basketball team that had the lead late in the fourth quarter. And they were just kind of looking to bleed some of the clock off and, and just kind of keep passing around and then shoot as the play clock, or rather as the shot clock runs down. And Calgary's first goal of the night, which was scored by Johnny Gaudreau on a breakaway, was also set up by a turnover. And Shea is pinching in and Panarin tries to send a pass to Shea and he misses it and then Jacob Truba misses it and the next thing you know it's a breakaway. And again, the whole thing just set up by the Rangers' unwillingness to shoot the puck. And something else that's been, you know, at least something of an issue this year are the slow starts. And you would think that a team that had just a disastrous start against Edmonton just a couple nights ago and fell into a 6-0 hole and was down 3-0, you know, less than 12 minutes into that game. You would think maybe they would start a little bit faster, but they don't. They fall behind early in this game 2-0. Now, credit to them, they do come back. They strike back with a pair of power play goals. Jacob Truba and Philip Hedl scoring to not the game at 2, you know, 8-0-7 into the first period. But again, you know, just just too slow of a start. You got to come out of the starting blocks hotter than this. You can't give. You can't constantly be playing from behind, and that's why I think in the Rangers' next game, you know, they're going to be on the road against Vancouver on Saturday at 10 p.m. to wrap up this four-game uh, road trip through Canada. And the Rangers need to score first in that game. And, and you know, that's one of those things. I'm not too big on. Oh, you got to score the first goal. You got to score the first goal. The- the Rangers are a high-scoring team, and they can fight out of an early one nothing hole. That's not a problem. But what is a problem is just constantly getting off to slow starts like this. So I just want to see the Rangers play with a lead against Vancouver. That's going to be something I'm going to be looking for. want to see the Rangers get the first goal against the Canucks. And then something else that we've talked about at great lengths this season that has been a problem for the Rangers all year, say it with me, the Rangers are taking too many penalties. It happened again in this game. They are assessed 10 minutes in penalties, and that actually will bring their season average down because they're averaging over 12 minutes of penalty time per game. That is the worst in the NHL. So just 10 tonight. Maybe you could even argue it's a step in the right direction, but really it's not. I mean, the third period alone, the Rangers took three penalties. And mind you, the Rangers go into this third period trailing 4-3 to in a game that's been 
pretty wide open. You know, it, it tightened up a little bit in the second period. He had five goals in the first period. The Rangers are down 3-2 to two after the first period, and then they're down 4-3 to three after the second period. But, you know, I don't know about you guys, but going into this third period, I was still feeling pretty good about the Rangers' chances. You know, it hadn't been a perfect game to that point, but this has been a wide-open game. And Cam Talbot, I really like Cam Talbot, but it's not like, you know, he's Jonathan Quick in his prime over there. And I figured coming into the third period, you know, the Rangers are going to get some chances. They're going to get some scoring opportunities. They are one chance away from tying this game and maybe winning it late. It would have been a great win for the Rangers, you know, to, to kind of battle back from a little bit of adversity and overcome their mistakes and come back and claim this win. But it never happened. And the reason it never happened is the Rangers took three penalties in this third period, and they were all bad penalties. I mean, the first one happens 13 seconds into the third period, and it's Chris Kreider, and he's got to know better. And I know he's just trying to make a play. He tried to steal the puck from, you know, the Calgary defenseman right around the Ranger blue line, and he's trying to steal the puck and just quickly get going the other way. But he just kind of barrels in there, puts his stick in there to try to get the puck away, and just trips the guy to the to the ice. And that's going to get called every single time. And it should be called every single time. It was obvious. So that was the first penalty. And then Brady Shea, you know, they, they kill that one off. They killed off all these penalties, by the way. They killed off all these power plays. And... You know, you might look at that and say, well, hey, you know, these these penalties didn't hurt them because they killed them off. But it did hurt them because three of them occurred in the third period when the Rangers are down by a goal and they're trying to get the equalizer. And it's kind of hard to do that when you're spending half the period in the penalty box. And again, this is a wide open game. You want to kind of just get back out there and just be off to the races again and look to get that equalizer. But it's really hard to, to make that happen when you're constantly shorthanded. And then even when you do kill off the power play, you know, are you really going to immediately just kind of take flight and just start producing a bunch of scoring opportunities as soon as you get back to even strength? It usually doesn't happen that way, and it didn't happen that way in this game either because the Rangers, throughout this whole third period, it was a scoreless third period, and the Rangers just never really got any other good quality scoring opportunities in this game. I mean, they had a couple of chances, but did anyone look at anything that happened in the third period here, any shot that the Rangers took, any opportunity that they set up, and think, oh, here it comes, man. They're about to tie the game right here. That didn't happen for me. But just to run through the other two penalties that the Rangers took here in the third period, we already talked about Kreider. And then Brady Shea, another, you know, just a few minutes after the Rangers killed off the Kreider penalty, Brady Shea takes a high-sticking penalty. And, you know, he didn't do it on purpose, but you got to be smarter than this, man. You got to be more careful. Brady Shea, I know he's only 25 years old, but he's been around long enough to know better than this. And it just capped off really a poor night by Brady Shea. I mean, he had a major role in two of the first three goals that Calgary scored. And it looked like Coach Quinn had really had enough at this point because it cost Brady Shea some ice time down the stretch. Even after he came out of the penalty box, he, he was really nowhere to be seen for just about the rest of his third period. In fact, I'm not sure he went back out onto the ice at, at all after this. I would have to double check that, but he definitely lost some minutes down the stretch. There were good chunks of time where he wasn't out there at all. And then with about eight minutes remaining, you know, the Rangers are still chasing a goal at this point, and Capo Caco takes a completely unnecessary holding penalty in the offensive zone. There's just no reason for this. It's not like you're trying to prevent a goal and you just kind of, you know, bear hug somebody or grab them, try to, you know, prevent the scoring chance. He's in the attacking zone. There was no reason to hold anybody in that situation. Just a bad penalty by Caco. And Caco, I mean, I do have to say he played a lot better in this game tonight, and it's not just because he had a goal and an assist, but when you saw him with the puck in this game, he just seemed like he looked uh, a lot more confident, a lot more sure of himself. He was holding onto the puck for, for longer stretches of time, I thought, in this game, and he actually scored a goal, and we're going to get into all that in just a second, but 
I just wanted to kind of, you know, open up by by talking about some of the things, again, that have plagued the Rangers this season, and they were all there in this game tonight, and that's why the Rangers lost this game. They lost this game because they took stupid penalties, they lost this game because they didn't want to shoot the puck when they should have shot the puck, and they lost this game because of turnovers. And only 11 giveaways on the night, I mean, that's not terrible, but it happened at inopportune times because it happened on a five-on-three when the Rangers, you know, should be scoring, not giving up a shorthanded goal, and two other turnovers that led directly to Calgary goals. All three of the Flames' first three goals in this game were the result, the direct result of Ranger turnovers, and that's not good, man. And, and, you know, they made all these mistakes, and they still only lost the game by a goal. You know, you're one chance away at the end of the game there. And that's what makes it so frustrating because if you can just eliminate this, these kinds of mistakes, then maybe the Rangers could be a good team and maybe they could be a postseason team and maybe they can get this season back on the right track. But right now, it's just not happening and it's not going to happen if you continue to make these mistakes. That's the other frustrating thing. We've been talking about these things all season and it, it's not getting any better. They are not going to truly turn things around if they do not improve in these areas. And that's on the players, and it's also on the coaching staff, because at some point, these guys collectively need to figure these things out if the Rangers are going to get anywhere near a playoff spot. All right, so we already talked about Calgary's first goal and what a disaster that was. You know, Shea and Truba each missing a pass, and it goes the other way for a breakaway. And then this one, just as bad, well, worse, really, because the Rangers have a five-on-three power play. And Panarin passes back to Tony D'Angelo, and D'Angelo is trying to get the puck over to Zibanejad. Zibanejad was kind of creeping in a little bit. But it was just a terrible pass and an easy interception there for Backlund. And Backlund goes in alone and scores the shorthanded goal on the breakaway. Again, a five-on-three power play, and you give up a goal, and that just cannot happen. Uh, D'Angelo, you know, he's had a good season. He's had something of a breakout season for the Rangers, but still, like we've talked about, a little bit of a raw product. I mean, he does make mistakes like this sometimes. And again, this just cannot happen. He's got to either move the puck back to Panarin or, God forbid, shoot the puck. You know, the Rangers don't do nearly enough shooting. We've talked about that. And this whole power play, you know, it's pass, pass, pass. Everything's along the outside, and they're just trying to be too fine with it. And, you know, part of it might be that this is kind of an unselfish bunch. From what I hear, you know, it's a very tight-knit locker room, and that's great. But once in a while, you got to be a little bit selfish. I think all these guys are, you know, trying to set, set each other up for goals, especially on a five-on-three because, hey, we can kind of just pick and choose now who gets to shoot because we, we're going to control possession of the puck. They can't really pressure the puck at all. You, you can't pressure the puck, really, when you're down five-on-three. And so the Rangers, you know, a lot of guys on this team, I think, looking to set up their teammate, you know, put it on a tee for them and give them an easy goal. But again, instead of just ripping the puck at the net like they should, for whatever reason, they just keep passing it. And it it leads to a turnover here and, and just a complete disaster. You cannot give up a goal when you've got a five on three power play. Interestingly enough, the Rangers actually do end up converting on this five on three power play. You know, they gave up the shorthanded goal, but they get it back with a power play goal by Jacob Truba. And again, you know, the Rangers set up shop, and they worked the puck to Truba, and it didn't look like this was a situation where Truba, like, had to shoot the puck, but he just did it anyway, because guess what? You take shots, especially when you're on the power play, and especially when you're on a five-on-three, and good things happen, and something good happened here. Truba rings his shot off the post and into the net, so just like that, they are on the board down two to one, and I know a lot of Ranger fans have been kind of campaigning for Truba to get a little bit more time on the power play. I mean, he's out there sometimes, but you know, maybe not as much as he should be, especially when you consider that they traded for Truba, and one of the biggest reasons they wanted this guy was to run point on the power play. So it does beg the question, you know, why is he not out there more often than he is? Uh, but he's out there here, and he converts on the power play, just lets a shot rip and scores. And yeah, you know, maybe going forward, we'll see a little bit more of Truba on the power play. You know, I know they like to work 
Adam Fox in there and Tony D'Angelo as well. And then, of course, you know, sometimes you go with four forwards on a power play. So there's a lot of guys who are deserving of power play minutes, but you know what? Let's get Shuba out there a little bit more. Maybe he can jumpstart this unit a little bit because, you know, it, it's a power play unit that has struggled recently. They scored twice tonight, so that was great. They went two for three on the power play. And even the one that they didn't score on was just a 49-second man advantage. But yeah, I'm all for giving Truba some more chances, especially that, you know, he just kind of shrugged his shoulders here, let the puck rip at the net, and scored the goal. And so that was the end of the 5-on-3 man advantage for the Rangers. But they are still on the power play here, still a 5-on-4. And they score again, Philip Heedle on the doorstep, bearing a rebound. So again, this is another situation where Adam Fox, you know, he works the puck to Capo Caco. Caco is moving in along the boards. He gets to like the top of the left faceoff circle and just shoots a wrist shot. And it is stopped by Cam Talbot. But the rebound is there. And Philip Heedle bats it out of the air and into the net and ties the game 2-2. Another power play goal. And all three Ranger goals in this game came by way of just throwing the puck at the net. And... I realize Kako didn't score on his shot here, but guess what? You're not always looking to score every time you shoot the puck. A lot of the time, you might be looking, or you're not looking to score clean every single time you shoot the puck. You might be looking for a deflection, or you might be looking to set up one of your teammates with a rebound. I don't think that when Kako let this shot go, you know, he thought for sure that he was going to score. I, I don't I don't believe that for a second. But what I'm sure he was looking to do was get the puck toward the net, maybe have the puck, you know, land in the crease somewhere and, and somebody can, can stuff it home. And that's exactly what happened. Heedle didn't even wait for the puck to land. He just batted it home. So, again, just put the puck at the net. You know, like I said at the start of the show, I do not think this was a good game for the Rangers, but there's usually something salvageable in almost every loss. There aren't too many hockey games where you can look at it and just say, wow, that was a disaster. Absolutely nothing went right. Because in this game, the Rangers, you know, finally, 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 after giving up, you know, a couple of foolish goals off of turnovers early in this game that were largely the result of passing too much. The Rangers finally decide, hey, let's just let it rip, and they score three goals as a result of that. They score twice on the power play, so the power play goes two for three tonight. It's a unit that struggled, so we got that going a little bit, and Capo Caco getting going a little bit again. So it's not like this game was devoid of any positives for the Rangers. It's just the the things that have been plaguing this team all season were front and center and largely led to the loss. And then, you know, all that hard work to come back. You know, the Rangers have now tied the game at two. They've responded well to some adversity in this game. Like we said, they gave up the five-on-three shorthanded goal, but they come back with a couple goals of their own on the power play. So we're all tied at two. And then what happens? Another turnover leads to another Calgary goal. And this time, Jacob Truba has the puck deep in the Rangers zone. He passes behind the net off the boards to Brady Shea. And I don't know what Brady Shea was trying to do here. There's a flame coming in on the forecheck and... Shea just tries to pass it right through him, and the Calgary player knocks the puck down, and it leads immediately, you know, a turnover and another goal, this time by Derek Ryan, and I just don't know what Brady Shea was doing here. You know, he didn't—there wasn't an opening there for him to move the puck to wherever he was trying to move the puck. He's got to elite—he's got to either pass that back around behind the boards back to Truba, because there's no one anywhere near Truba at this point, or— you know, try to pass it up the boards, you know, try to get it out of the zone that way. But instead, he throws it, you know, kind of toward, it looked like he was trying to pass to the middle of the ice, and it never got there. The puck was knocked down and leads immediately to a Calgary goal. Just a bad night for Brady Shea. And, and you know, he struggled at times earlier this season, and he was a healthy scratch. And then it seemed like he got it going a little bit. It seemed like being back with Jacob Truba helped him out a little bit. But he's slumping again. 
And I talked about this in the last episode or, or two episodes ago. So if you haven't heard that, go back and look at episode number 49, where I talk about, you know, which players on the Rangers are the most overpaid, which are some of the albatross contracts and some of the mistakes that this front office has made. And I hate to do this to Brady Shea. Seems like a nice guy. Seems to be very well liked in the Ranger locker room. But he hasn't been good. He has not been living up to this contract. And it's even worse, as I mentioned in that episode, when you look at some of the other names that the Rangers have let walk out the door, whether it's Kevin Hayes or Matt Zuccarello or Ryan McDonough or JT Miller, you know, all these guys that the Rangers have traded because, oh, well, we can't afford to sign these guys, but we can sign Brady Shea. And it's just, and again, you know, I don't want to kill the guy, but it's just mind-boggling that out of all the players that the Rangers you know, show the door to, to do this rebuild. And again, I do commend this front office for doing this massive rebuild. It takes guts to do that. But the one guy that you think you need to keep around as a franchise cornerstone is Brady Shea, and we get performances like this. And I'm, again, it's not like Brady Shea hasn't played good hockey at times this season, because he has. But can anybody look at his contract right now and honestly say that, man, I'm really glad the Rangers held on to Brady Shea. That was money well spent. He was the guy that the, the Rangers absolutely needed to keep in the fold here. I think if you say that, you're just lying to yourself, and I don't know what's going to happen going forward. Again, Brady Shea lost some ice minutes toward the end of this game. I don't think he'll be a healthy scratch because I don't know that there's really anyone else to go to. You know, Liber Hayek is still injured, so I don't know who the next man up would be. I don't think they're going to bring somebody up from the minors to replace Brady Shea or anything like that. But we'll see. You know, it's something that we have to keep an eye on. And you just got to, I mean, at this point, you know, Brady Shea's got a big contract, and you just got to keep your fingers crossed that he figures it out and maybe he can turn this thing around. But again, we are halfway through the season. Does anyone feel like Brady Shea is having a a really, really good season for the Rangers? And his contract should dictate that he's one of the best defensemen on the team. He's got to at least be top four. And really, I mean, that's another thing too. I want to talk about this. You have Brady Shea making a lot of money. You have Mark Stahl making a lot of money and you have Jacob Truba making a lot of money. The case could be made that of the six Ranger defensemen that they're running out there every night, that they're the bottom three. And I hesitate to say that about Truba because I do think overall he's had a good season, maybe just not quite living up to his his massive contract so far. But I do like Truba overall. I do think that was a good signing. I do think that'll work out in the long term. But think about the other guys. You know, you got Ryan Lindgren. There's nothing flashy about his game, but I think most games he, he's very solid back there. He had a rough night against Edmonton. But overall, I think you have to like what you've seen from Lindgren. Again, he's just kind of learning on the fly. He's a rookie. He's very young. I like Lindgren. I, I think overall he has a good defensive game. So... That's one. You got Tony D'Angelo. He can be erratic at time. He can make mistakes. We saw that in this game. But you got to take what you've gotten from him offensively. And Adam Fox, to me, another three assists in this game. He looks like a superstar in the making. And those guys collectively are not making a lot of money. And the three defensemen that are making a lot of money are Mark Stahl and Brady Shea. And of these six guys, I got to put Stahl and Shea, if if we're going to rank them in terms of how well they've played this year, Stahl and Shea are five and six in one order or the other. You can rank them however you'd like among themselves, but to me, they're at the bottom. And Truba, I mean, I I can't sit here and say Ryan Lindgren is better than Jacob Truba because I don't believe that yet. But in terms of what they're all making, as far as value goes, the Rangers are getting more for their money for guys like Ryan Lindgren and Tony D'Angelo and Adam Fox than they are from Jacob Truba. And again, I'm not going to kill Truba because I do think he's had a good season, but the case right now can be made that the Rangers... Three highest-paid defensemen, and they're the three highest-paid defensemen by a lot. But the case can be made that the Rangers' three highest-paid defensemen are, in fact, the fourth, fifth, and sixth best defensemen on the team right now. And that's not good. You know, they need more out of these guys, and they certainly, 
certainly need more out of Brady Shea because he really had a rough night here, and it kind of just continues, you know, a recent stretch of, of subpar play from Brady Shea. He needs to get it going. So anyway, second period, Rangers still down 3-2 to two at this point, and Capo Caco notches the game-tying goal. The Rangers swarming in Calgary's zone, and Adam Fox leaves Capo Caco a pass. Caco gets it, you know, along the boards and kind of close to the blue line. He just kind of drifts toward the center of the ice, and then he realizes, hey, you know, nobody's putting any pressure on me. And, hey, maybe that's a result of teams not thinking that Kako's going to shoot. But Kako just kind of drifts forward. He gets to the high slot, and he just lets it rip. And it takes a bounce off of a Calgary defenseman and goes into the net. So once again, for the third time in this evening, a player on the Rangers decides, hey, I'm just going to throw the puck at the net, and I'm going to take my chances. And guess what happens? The puck goes in. Yes, it took a lucky bounce, but that's the idea. Because when you put the puck at the net, the puck can bounce one of a thousand different ways, and some of those ways lead into the net. So why not do this once in a while, you know, if you're the Rangers? Especially if you're Kako. I mean, you've had this lengthy, lengthy scoring drought, and, you know, it just looked like to me like Kako, again, playing with a lot more confidence tonight. He, maybe more than any other Ranger, has had that pass-first mentality, and I talked about this in a previous episode as well. You know, you got to remember Kako's 18 years old, and there's probably a part of him that really wants to be a good teammate and really win himself over in that locker room and look to set up his guys rather than being selfish and taking the shot. But, you know, once in a while, it's okay to throw the puck at the net. You know, nobody's going to get mad at you. Nobody's going to take your head off. And again, you know, it it's, can be a positive thing because when Kako lets this shot go, I mean, you don't think for sure. It doesn't look like a tremendous scoring opportunity. But again, sometimes you get a lucky bounce. And that's what happened here. It deflects off of the Calgary defense and it goes into the net. Just like that, we're tied. Unfortunately, the game only stays tied for less than three minutes. The Rangers, they have the puck in Calgary zone, but they lose the battle for a puck along the boards, and Ryan Lingard kind of pinched in here to try to keep the puck in the zone, which I get it. You know, he's trying to be aggressive. He's trying to make a play, but he might have been better served to kind of start peeling back at that moment because the Flames, just like that, you know, they're off to the races. couple of lightning quick passes, and Sean Monahan scores from the doorstep. You know, Goudreau had the puck. He gained the blue line. He moved the puck over to Hannafin, and Hannafin immediately passed in deep to Monaghan, and Monaghan scores. Uh, like I said, you know, these are these are very good passes. You do have to tip your cap a little bit to Calgary on this one, and it wasn't really a turnover per se, but the Rangers, they did lose the battle for a loose puck along the boards, and then a little bit of a mistake by Lindgren, I thought, because, you know, as soon as he decided to pinch, he never really recovered from that. The Flames were kind of off to the races after that. And Lindgren could just never quite get back into position on the play, and that leads to a goal. And little did we know, you know, that's less than halfway through the second period, but that was the last goal of the game, and the Flames went on to the 4-3 to victory. And I talked enough about the third period already. You know, we kind of led with that and all the foolish penalties that the Rangers took and how it, you know, prevented them from getting any real chances at, you know, tying this game. But the one other thing I wanted to mention was the dust-up between Ryan Lindgren and Milan Lucic. And Lindgren... You know, earlier in this period, he suffers an apparent leg injury, and I, I think he's okay. I haven't heard anything about him, you know, in the post game or, you know, today at all. So I, I think he's going to be all right. But he goes back out there, and he gets mixed up with Milan Lucic in front of the Ranger net, and for some reason, they both get penalties, even though Lucic, uh, you know, punched Lindgren in the nose and caused him to bleed. I mean, this was ridiculous. I, I suppose Lindgren, you know, he went off for slashing, and Lucic got roughing, but Sometimes if you're the ref, you got to look at this. I mean, yes, maybe there was a little bit of a slash from Lindgren, but Lucic straight up punched Lindgren in the nose. I mean, I, I just don't know how that ends up being matching minors, but it is what it is. So I misspoke earlier. I, I mentioned that the Rangers took the three 
penalties in the third period. It was actually four, but this one was matching minors, so at least this didn't really hurt them. But yeah, the Rangers, just the entire period, having a really tough time getting anything going in the Flames zone. You know, they pull Lundqvist with about 110 before an offensive zone faceoff. Quinn uses the timeout. And again, even in the final minute here, they're just kind of passing all over the place. And, you know, I get it. I know they want to set somebody up with a high-quality scoring chance rather than just give Talbot an easy save. But we're getting into the last few seconds of the game here. And, you know, there's 25 seconds and there's 20 seconds. And it's like, guys, eventually you just got to take your chance. Just throw the puck at the net. It's worked three times tonight. Maybe it'll work a fourth time. And they don't even get a shot here. You know, the puck goes off the boards behind the net and it just bounces toward the goal and Talbot just puts his glove over it. So we get another offensive zone draw with 11 seconds left. But meanwhile, 25 or 30 seconds have ticked off the clock here and the Rangers have not even attempted a single shot. The only reason Talbot froze the puck was the puck just happened to go toward the net off the boards. You got to shoot the puck. I... I, I don't know how else to say it, guys. You know, at some point, you know, the Rangers, they just got to let it rip here, especially when you're less than a minute left and trying to tie the game. So there's 11 seconds left. Zibanejad wins the faceoff clean, but it goes out of the zone. Just a bad break there, but what are you going to do? The Rangers probably would have tried another four or five passes there and not shot the puck anyway. So it is what it is. You know, the Rangers lose four to three here. And like I said, you know, these things that have really hurt the Rangers this season they were all on full display in this game, and that's why the Rangers come away with a loss. And, you know, again, even despite these mistakes, despite these miscues, the Rangers are right here in this game. You know, if they can just clean these things up, they can be a good hockey team. They can be a team that's going to contend for a playoff spot, and they can be a team that, well, no matter what happens, they're going to have some really difficult decisions to make at the trade deadline. But if if you and me and everybody else, if we want to see them hang on to guys like Chris Kreider and Ryan Strom and maybe even guys like Jesper Foss and Tony D'Angelo, all of these guys are free agents at the end of the season. If we want to see these guys stick on the team, and that's a whole other debate, and you know we've talked about that in previous episodes, and there's going to be more trade deadline special episodes as we get closer to the trade deadline on this podcast but if we want these guys to stick with the Rangers for the rest of the season and maybe even beyond, maybe even you extend some of these guys, then they got They just collectively as a team, they got to clean up these mistakes because they're not going to be in the playoff picture in a couple of weeks if they keep making mistakes like this. And if they're not in the playoff picture, then you can wave bye to people like Kreider and, and probably some other guys as well. The good news here is the Rangers will be concluding this road trip on Saturday. Like we said, a 10 o'clock puck drop in Vancouver. So we're going to be staying up late to watch that one. But if the Rangers can just win that game, and it won't be easy because the Canucks, again, they're a team that they're actually in playoff position right now. Not a lot of experts were expecting the Canucks to do much of anything this season, but here they are. They're in a playoff spot, and the Rangers are going to have their work cut out for them in Vancouver. But if they can find a way to steal this win on the road, then they've gone 2-2 two and two on this four-game road trip. And that's not so bad. You know, you going into the road trip, maybe you want to do a little bit better than that, but it's not a disaster, and they'll be coming home for a couple of games after that. They'll be at home on Tuesday against the Avalanche and on Thursday against the Devils. So big, big game in Vancouver. You can either end this road trip on a positive note, or you can end it on a semi-disastrous three-game losing streak, and that would not be good. Especially, you know, after they got the big emotional win in, in Toronto on the first game of this road trip. You know, that was a hell of a game, and the Rangers went 5-4 in overtime. You really don't want to turn around and then lose three straight games after that. That, that would be a nightmare. So let's get this win in Vancouver, and we're going to be back here tomorrow, talk a little bit about the game against the Canucks and whatever else we might get into, and then all throughout next week, you know, we're going to look to line up some guests for you guys. we got a couple more crossover episodes on the way, and we'll look forward to all that. 
Once again, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter, at LONYRangers. Again, that is at LONYRangers. Once again, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.